if you kind of get up into the high volume territory of training and you're doing a lot of like good quality endurance miles, you almost can't eat enough and it's, it's just going to happen naturally and you're going to gain performance along the way. But I think the biggest advice that I'll provide them in this answers the second part of their question is never sacrifice eating on your ride. Never, never underfuel your workouts. Um, you know, and if you want to periodize your eating through the day, the way that I would do it is What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast presented by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and with me this week, I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Jeanette, as well as Ignition co-founder, Andrew Dillman. This week, rather than talking about a specific topic, we're actually going to be answering a bunch of your questions. We put out a post on Instagram uh, requesting questions from all of y'all, and we got some really great questions sent in. So we're going to be getting through a handful of those today. Unfortunately, at the beginning, we did set a time limit for ourselves. We wanted to hold the show to an hour. So ended up going about 65 minutes in total, uh, but that also meant we didn't quite get through all the questions. So if you did send in a question, we didn't get to it this week. I promise we'll get to it either in a future episode or we'll get back to you with a specific response. If you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. It helps us a bunch. If you want us to cover a future topic in a, in a later episode, you can send us an email to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email title the Matchbox Podcast or give us a follow on Instagram and send us a DM there. All right, let's get into it. Howdy, howdy. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? That was Andrew and Drew Dizzle Dillman in the house. Uh, I don't know what Dylan's doing this week, but he wasn't able to make it. So today we're bringing you guys a special... What was he doing? Jet setting. He's he's like flying around the world, probably. Oh yeah, okay. he's driving to Texas for that gravel Light, Locos race. Oh, lifetime World okay. Series. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. So today we're bringing you a special episode where we're just going to be answering a bunch of questions. So we submitted, or we 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 put out a post requesting questions from y'all, and we've got a bunch of questions submitted. So we're gonna try and get through as many as we can today. There were actually quite a few that came through. Uh, we're going to set a time limit for ourselves. We're trying to keep this show to 60 minutes or less. So we'll see how many questions we get through. If you submitted a question and we don't get to it, sorry. Uh, we'll probably answer it next week on the show uh, as one of the uh, listener questions at the end of the show. So stay tuned. Uh, before we get into the questions, though, anyone do any racing this past weekend that you want to talk about? Negative. <laughs> Yeah, no racing. Can yeah, I just no. say that that Adam, like a couple hours ago, said, "Hey guys, will you guys look at the questions?" Uh, and so I did it five minutes ago. But <laughs> but I'm pretty stoked. Like we got some good questions on the on the radar for today. Like I'm I'm pretty pumped about this episode. Well, I'll I'll say to counter what Drew just said, I've been researching these questions for <laughs> days. <laughs> See, digging into the research. Flows. You're yeah. the yin and I'm the yang. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, honestly, answering these questions based on sort of like gut reaction can can be good. I, I don't know if many of our listeners do much research on their own time, like reading the scientific literature, but I'll admit sometimes it actually presents more questions than it does answers. <laughs> so sometimes the the best thing I think a coach can bring to the table is experience. 
Yeah, especially for and the uh, curious folk like yourself. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a never-ending <laughs> hole. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what does well, that mean? I don't know. Where's the idiom? I raced, but I did. It is. It's, it's right. buried. Um, it's buried <laughs> under all my, all my research articles on my desk over here. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, two weeks ago, I did do Athens, and um, Athens wasn't Athens. It was my first year doing Athens Twilight. Um, pretty in my head, it's always been like the the crit to do. Like it's one of the biggest crits in my mind. I don't know why that is, but maybe I don't know if everybody has that feeling about that race. So um, I was pretty stoked to get down there and do it for the first time. Um, didn't do didn't didn't go as good as I had thought it would, and I and I think I know why. Um, I went into Sunny you missed King. The break. <laughs> yes, I missed the break that lapped the field way earlier than I thought was going to happen. But at Sunny King, I went into that race thinking I'm not very fit and uh, played very smart how I raced and ended up getting a like a really good result, like way better than I had anticipated. Um, and then at Athens, I was like, went into it a little different mindset of like. Oh, that's right. I was top 10 at Sunny King. Uh, and I'm, I've been training and, um, yeah, burned a couple matches like in the first 10 minutes just to get to the front. Didn't even do anything, but just to get to the front, I burned some unnecessary matches and was in the hurt locker for quite a bit. And that was like right when that break went and I was not even close to the front when that happened. So yeah, sometimes, uh, this before, sometimes racing, racing, like you're not fit is maybe the best strategy. You know, yes. we were talking a little bit before we got online here and uh, talking about some of the young guns out there that are just, you know, have more watts and they know what to do with. And, you know, racing like you're the strongest guy in the race, I mean, maybe on certain courses, but generally it doesn't pan out well. Not that you yep. did that, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, I kind of trained through it, too. Um, like, I still did my normal training for that week, so I didn't do, I mean, I tapered a little bit, but like barely, you know, so... I'm not, I wasn't exactly training for that race, so I wasn't upset that I didn't do great. So what are you training for? Tulsa, baby. Big time. Um, I think like Tulsa and then um, I think Pronats. The road race at Pronats has really like been something I've been thinking more and more about because I think... I don't know, man. I haven't done a road race in a long time, but I've been doing some of those gravel races. And so I feel like that might be good for me, like a road race with, with like a punchy hill every lap. So we'll see. It's, it's a, it's a tough one for sure. Get, get ready for some heat. But I do think, you know, anyone who's raced that race will tell you that it's pretty on the gas the whole time. You know, so you really need to be able to do that. The hill is probably three minutes, and mm-hmm. you need to be able to do it sort of aerobically. Like it needs to yeah. sort of be within your VO2 max to do yeah. six watts per kilo for three minutes and be able to kind of keep going after. But I think I'm confident that that's something that you can do, Drew. Oh, wow. Now I'm confident. All right. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> uh, but no, Tulsa's before that. So I think I really want to win Snake Alley. Which would be like, you know that move? Yeah, never mind. That's an awesome but, race. Yeah, I want to win that race. That'd be sweet. I haven't won a. I've never. I don't think I've ever won a one-two crit. So if I won Snake Alley, I would be so stoked. And I feel like that would put me on like the trajectory to do well at Tulsa and then at Pro Nats. But 
We're Is that like, Memorial Day weekend? Right? Yeah, up in Iowa. Cool. And I don't know many yeah. people that are going to it. Like, I think... I think Project Echelon's going. Um, bummer. Oh. Well, they could probably beat, I could probably <laughs> beat some of those guys. You can beat those guys. If it's it doesn't fun. come down, if it doesn't to come down to a sprint... You have to those guys to win. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, like, there's only, like, two of them that I'd be really worried about. And they'd both probably beat me in a sprint. Yeah, well, I guess you're going to have to win a different way. All races don't end in a sprint. Yeah, I know. I suck at sprinting. I don't ever want a race to end in a sprint. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to just give it the beans over the hill the last time, get a gap into the So, into so the tell, tell the listeners who don't know what Snake Alley Crit is. Oh, iconic. It is awesome. It's like this brick-paved alleyway. I think it's got seven switchback turns, six maybe. I don't know. But it's awesome. It's super steep. Um and it's bricklate, so it's like it's like a it's like it's a awesome. cobble it's like a cobbled climb basically, uh, and then it's like this super twisty downhill. So if there was a crit designed for Dizzle, this is it. It's like, like it's like Baby Koppenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a very good way of explaining it with turns. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it, only if the descent was made of dirt and it was through a cow pasture. Man, a long time ago, I when I I won that race uh, several times as a junior. Um, Coppenberg Cross? No, no, no. I wish Snake Alley, <laughs> and they, they give you a brick um, with a plaque on it and a stuffed animal snake. I used to have a bunch of those laying around, but I have no idea where they are now. Got to get another one in your trophy room, probably. That's right. Check there, Check there yeah. first. Um, <laughs> So fun yeah, fact, I so like I one. if I was going to go back and do any road racing, that would be a race that would bring me back into it. Like I I've always wanted to do Snake Alley. It's in Iowa. Um, That's close to South Dakota. Come on, man. Yeah, I know, but here here's the fun fact problem. I'm a cat 4 on the road cuz I never <laughs> I I stopped racing roads so early. And I feel like that would be the worst crit. I mean, maybe maybe I could just drop everybody the first time up the climb, but I would not want to have to descend that that descent with a cat four pack. So the funny thing about snake alley is, is they call you every, every person is called up to the line based on registration because Mm. your start position, this is probably one of the only crits where this matters, like where start position matters because if you get, yeah, Tulsa, but you don't get called up at Tulsa. It's kind of like you wait there for an hour, which I, (laughs) which sucks. Um, this one you get called up, so it's nice, but, uh, I think we have like five dudes on the front row, and then I'm in like the third or fourth row or something like that. But they just got to biff it for you. Yeah, but if you get pinched <laughs> up that thing and have to unclip at all, you're like screwed. I mean, like it's a good thing uh, your on-off bike transitions are good. Yeah, yeah. I've to- I, I, when I you when I did the one two run cross shoes. When I did the one two race as a junior, I uh, I totally had to run the first lap, and I still managed, but. But yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon for people to have to get off and run. Because as you go up the climb, there's also like a, like a, what do you call it, a curb, like this high that lines it. And so if you get put into the curb, it's not like, it's not good. <laughs> it's not going to be a not good, good. Ending, So Avoid right, the curbs, guys. <laughs> so that's Snake so, Alley. What else? Yeah, we got? so so you got Snake Alley and Tulsa and Pronats. So, what does your training look like right now? Then, this is one of those. As of like right now, this is one of those times where the you do as I say and not as I do. Um, 
it's Wednesday and I haven't ridden since Sunday because it's a recovery week. But hmm. but I did hit the gym this morning, but I'm also trying to finish remodeling my bathroom before my uh, father-in-law comes into town tomorrow. So that's been the priority. He said a month ago that I wouldn't finish the bathroom for a year. So I've got like a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, we'll see about that. And so uh, I'm trying to have it finished before he arrives tomorrow afternoon. So I've been like nonstop Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday trying to finish this bathroom. And boy, tiling, tiling sh- a shower is one of the most annoying things in the world. It's so much harder than it looks. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. It is a bit of a rest week, but yeah, it's not going as normally. I'd like to ride a couple times during a rest week just to spin out the legs. So. I, I, uh, I'm going to admit that my confidence in your result at the pro Nats road race is waning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, let's get some volume in those legs. Dizzle. Last week was good. Last three weeks were really good. So, I mean, this is well-deserved rest week. Mm. Yeah, yeah, resting hard is, is key. I'm resting hard. Train hard, this, rest hard. This Saturday is a, a local race, and I'm going to ride to the race, and I'm thinking about maybe even doing an FTP test before I go and do the race because it's like a race I don't really care about. So I'll probably end up doing close to 100 miles on Saturday with a race somewhere in there as well. You should just do the FTP test in the race. Yeah, that's what I was from the say. gun. <laughs> Just go off the front, yeah. You'd probably do better. Sorry, what? What, do you, what do you, uh, what's up with your training and racing, Adam? Tell me about that. Yeah, funny you should ask because uh, it's almost as if you should know, right? Yeah, uh, our but list, just catch our, me up. Our listeners, <laughs> our listeners do know <laughs> that Andrew is my coach now. Um, so... Yeah, so right now we're in a threshold build block. Um, today, so I, so I had a local gravel race yesterday, last night, uh, 6.30 p.m. It was an hour long. Um, did like 280 normalized watts for an, an hour and uh, got dropped again, man. I don't know, I got to work on that. Bumming me out. Uh, local, local, uh, gravel grinder, uh, Kenny Pike dropped me. He, he had a, he had a sick pro move. I, I was kind of ringing him up. So, so you go out on this like super flat road. It was into a headwind. Uh, we had a group that was dwindled down to like five of us. You make the turn and then the whole road back in, it's like 10 miles back home. It's all rolling Hills. So, uh, I was feeling super good and I was just like smashing the first like three or four rollers and thought I had Ken on the limits. And then like the fourth roller in, I should have given it a little bit more. Uh, and I was kind of like, I don't know, I was kind of doing VO2 instead of just like smashing it. And he attacked me over the top and I just couldn't, I had, I had no punch in me. So I, I couldn't go with him. And then that was it. He kept like a 15 second gap for like the, the last 20 minutes. And it was a bummer. Um, yeah, so like that was last week, night. <laughs> What's that? You got to race like you're weak. He was like, you know, he's just sitting on the wheel suffering and just waiting. Yeah, I, 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 it was my, yeah, it was my bad. I thought I, I thought I had him suffering more than he was apparently. But, uh, so that was last night. So that was like 6.30 PM. I didn't get home. I, I rode to and from the race. I didn't get home until like nine. Uh, and then this, well, it was at right at noon. I set out for a threshold workout. 
Um, three by 18. I think Andrew's trying to reel me in a little bit. <laughs> I, I think I've been sending the threshold efforts a little too hard for his liking. It is impressive. So, <laughs> so, so he told me the first one, he's like, do the first effort like I tell you to. And then the last two efforts, you can kind of do what you want. So the first one kept it right in the middle of the threshold zone. Perfect. Nailed it. Felt like tempo, but that was fine. Uh, second one smashed it. Third one was smashing it even harder. It was like killing it. Um, and then I just hit a total wall, like the last <laughs> 10 minutes of, of the effort. I just like had nothing left and it wasn't like my legs were good. Breathing was good. I just like was so tired. Like my upper body got tired. Everything was just mm. tired. It was, it was really weird. I was just like fatigued. Um, which probably makes sense since I did like 300 plus TSS within 24 hours by that point. Um, probably so a muscle glycogen thing. It's probably just tired. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think it, it might have been. Um, a- admittedly, after the second effort, my bike was creaking super bad. So I stopped at the local bike shop to have them check it out quick. And it took longer than I thought. It ended up just being my through axle was loose, but he like completely overhauled my bottom bracket in the process. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, Maybe just standing around and, and not eating during that time. Like it was, it was only half an hour, but I didn't eat anything. Probably should have used that time to replenish some stores. But yeah, I was I was smoked, and it was like the the thirty minute ride back home at like recovery pace was like a death march. I just like could not wait to get home. It was so bad. <laughs> um, so we got that going on uh, next week. I'm going out to Wisconsin for Pro XCT. I was going to ask you, Dizzle. You did this one last year, the Englewood race. Yeah. Uh, hardtail or full suspension? Hardtail for sure. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's nothing Sick. on the. I think there's like two rock sections. I mean, like there's one rock section where a, a full suspension would be nice, but that's literally the only section. So, like, yeah. I mean, like a, a lot- thirty second section, or are we talking like five minute section? No, 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 no. Like thirty seconds, like less than thirty okay. seconds, probably. Okay. And you could probably do it on a hardtail for sure. Um, it just not might not be as fast or as smooth as a full suspension, but everything else is probably going to be faster on a hardtail because it's it's a lot of smooth. Uh, it's just a bunch of like turns um, in the woods, and so okay. hard t- hard no, tails- there's no like drops or anything. Uh, nothing significant, like nothing that I can remember. No. Okay. I'll, I'll probably pack the dropper post just in case, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh yeah, if, I, is. if I had the option between the two, I, I, I would race a hardtail. I think. Okay. I don't remember what the guys last year were doing. I mean, like, cause I wasn't like a, I didn't win the thing, so I don't know, but see what Tobin is riding. Yeah. Tobin did win. It Tobin was like one. A, it was yeah. a ten group. It was a ten man group. It was like a huge group, and I had caught on to that group because I started in the. I think I was like the third from last call up, like dead back of the group, and I was. I think I was dead last going into the trail because I don't. I don't know why I didn't try to pass more people, but <laughs> I just wasn't very livid. I guess at the at the beginning, but definitely don't go. Try to pass as many people as you can before. There's a lot. There's a long grass section up, and then you turn right, and there's a if it's the same as last year, there's another long grass section to the single track. So you've got, you've got a pretty good chunk of time to try and pass people. I mean, it is full gas. So you'd have to like totally burn a match to pass some people, but it would be worth it. Cause then you're just, that, that's, people. that's 
what yeah that's cross-country racing starts yep well but nobody <laughs> told me that last year so i just didn't really, i don't know i didn't really have high expectations for the race anyway so whatever. okay um cool yeah so i got that coming up uh yeah that's so yeah we're gonna do a little tune-up workout on friday kind of rev, rev the engine a little bit and then uh, not too much else after that before the race next weekend and then i don't know what's coming up after that it's a big surprise uh andrew you got anything to share uh not too much i my my plans are actually sort of similar to dizzles i'm going to do uh wilmington grand prix this upcoming weekend which is a mm. sort of a local race um we'll be racing fellow uh ignition coach scott mcgill he'll be mm. the guy to beat there so that'll be funny yeah. fresh off uh europe so it's it's always i really like racing with that guy. He's super cagey really good sprinter so he he always uh it's gonna challenge you it looks like it might be kind of wet which is perfect for me um because a lot of guys aren't as comfortable sliding around on the road. Um, so we'll do that, and then we'll go up and do Rochester, which is you know, definitely a level up. It's going to be like the second American Cup race, so all the big teams will be there. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, Air Force, Tulsa, Pronats, maybe so Harlem. So um, is, is, the, is there a time trial that st- kicks off this weekend? Oh, yeah. It's a good one, okay. too. Cool. Yeah, my my one of my junior athletes is is going out for that, but I think he's just doing the time trail. Interesting. It's it's super short. It's like it's super Three short miles. and technical. So it's like it's actually a really good TT for me. Like I like my odds. It's um it's one of the few time trials that I feel excited about. So nice. I'm um, definitely gonna send it on a road bike or a TT bike. You you can do it on either. I'm going to do it on a road bike just because it's, it's pretty technical. So you're, there is like a couple of occasions where you'd want to be in the sticks, but I think, um, for handling sake, you might be better off on a road bike. Yeah. So cool. That, that's all I'm bringing. Um, yeah. And so, um, after Gila, I did a rest and test week that I, uh, feel like I, I smashed. So that, that was really cool to see just kind of, um, you know, what was happening with the body coming back down from altitude and after all that training leading up to that. Um, so that was encouraging. And then this week, um, I would say the key workout was, um, did a five by five VO two session. Um, so we're still kind of working on the, the motor and, um, not, not quite into like race specific work yet, but, um, with all the racing coming up, you know, that's sort of going to be the intensity or the, you know, the race specific stuff at least. So yeah, I'm excited for all that. I like the plan feeling strong. Um, we'll, we'll see how the legs feel like in a, you know, a crit. I'm probably going to have to smooth out the efforts as best as I can, but that's something I'm pretty good at. So I'm excited. Sweet. Well, guys, I think it's time. We got 39 minutes to get through as many questions as we can. Lightning round. You guys, you guys ready? Let's yep. jump this shark. Does everyone have them pulled up? Or do you want yep. me to? Sh- All right. Um, Dizzle, why don't you kick us off with this first one? <laughs> Mine? Yeah, it's your question. <laughs> Our first listener question is actually if I was wondering this the other day, actually, rabbit hole for a second. If <laughs> if our listeners are listeners, does that mean we're 
speakers? What do we call ourselves? Talkers? I'm not a list. Talkers? Hosts. Hosts. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, hosts, I guess, would make sense. But listeners yeah. and like the opposite of a listener would be a talker. So this is I a I don't talker. know that people say that, though. <laughs> yeah, we <No>. can. <laughs> this is our, our first listener question is actually from a talker. Um, and actually this was a teammate, me and a teammate on roadhouse. were having this conversation back from Athens in the car. Um, we were talking about carbon take during a crit. And of course I'm, you know, being, uh, just around flow formulas as much as I am and around Dylan and, and, and like all the research is like 90 grams of carbs. Like everybody is saying 90 grams of carbs per hour is, and now they're maybe even saying more. Maybe maybe even up to 120 is is what I've heard recently. So depends on the person. Yeah. So is 90 grams of carbs during a during a crit? So a one hour, 90 minute, really hard effort, cycle cross effort, like really hard. Is that too much to handle during a crit because because of how hard you're going? Like, will you be able to actually use those? So my teammate was asking like, Oh, you're probably not going to use all those carbs anyways, like in the, during the race. So do we preload? Do we, what does that look like? So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go first on this one. So, um, I mean, I think first and foremost, yeah, you should be going into a crit with full glycogen stores. So that likely does mean that you're probably eating some pretty like carbohydrate rich, you know, meals maybe the night before, depending on when the crit mm-hmm. is, and then, you know, the day of maybe three or four hours before, depending on, you know, the athlete's preference. Um, once you're in the crit, I think the simple answer is yes, you can definitely handle it. I mean, I think depends on the carb source, of course. I think if you were to eat a cliff bar, um, I don't know that there'd be like enough blood and um, liquid in your gut to like provide the gastric emptying rate necessary to like actually matriculate that those carbohydrates into your blood. But I think, um, you know, like, a, I think the word that they use is like a hypotonic, um, carb solution, like an SIS gel or better yet, like a flow formulas, beta fuel, um, scratch super fuel, I think would, yeah, it would go in right away. And in my understanding is that, um, you know, during intense exercise, um, carbohydrate combustion use uptake is, is actually really good. Um, and so I think, I think so long as, um, you're doing something that doesn't upset like the osmolality of your gut <laughs> to use sort of right. like a buzzword, I, I think, I think you're good. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know this for sure, but, but my feeling, my intuition based on, you know, my understanding of this is that the higher intensity, the exercise, to a point maybe, um, you know, the better you would, you would uptake that cause it's just in such high demand. Um, and so, yes. yeah. And I, I would actually, um, so, you know, like if you go into a race like Tulsa, right guys, um, you know, you're racing three days in a row. And so I, I think like almost the biggest advantage of like getting in sufficient carbohydrates during the race is that you're dipping into muscle glycogen less, and then you're likely going to have, more more complete mm. glycogen stores day to day um yeah but it, i think um you know how much you eat and if you eat in a crate also depends on you know what your vla max is and you know how much power you're making the more power you're making probably 
the quicker you're going to go through those glycogen stores and the more important it is to, you know, keep uh, sugar coming into the blood. Yeah, my, my immediate response to him was absolutely. Um, like the science says, 90 grams is doable, so do it. <laughs> And anecdotally, I've been doing, if I had to guess, I'd probably been, I've probably been intaking about 75 per hour during racing and haven't had any GI stress. So, uh, I haven't tried a full 90 yet, but I'm like working up towards it, I think. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the way that any listener can sort of answer this question for themselves, and this is worth doing is going out maybe for like a, something a little bit low risk, a training session and just seeing how much their gut will tolerate. And, um, my experience is, is that if it's too much, your, your body will tell you. Um, but yeah, using something, I think hypotonic was the wrong word. Isotonic is the correct word. So meaning like the Mm. same, um, same like fluid balance as like what's in your gut or in your blood. Maybe, um, my, my understanding of the whole isotonic thing and osmolality is a little, um, undeveloped, but I'm gonna drop. Yeah, a, I, just, um, I just know it matters. I, I I don't I don't remember all that's the important thing. terms and everything, but it, it does matter. So like, if you're using something like a scratch super fuel, you have to be very cautious or uh, mindful of how much water you're mixing it with. You can't just like throw seven scoops of super fuel in like a half a bottle of water. You know, like you, you, there's an exact ratio that you should be using. Um, con- contrary to that, you know, you 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 could add it into more water and, and have it be less concentrated. Um, but then you, you might be taking in too much fluid per the, you know, for the prescribed duration. So it's, there, there is, there is a quite exact science to it. Um, but it's also not, it's not hundred percent foolproof for everyone. Everyone's a little bit different. So you do have to play around with it in training Um, but for anecdotal, uh, experience here. So on Saturday I did a local cross country race and it was 90 minutes and I took in 140 grams of carbs during that time. Uh, and it was fine. Like it never, I mean, it it felt like the same, like I was drinking water. Um, like I I felt totally fine the whole time. So yeah, um, Yeah. I pushed the limits in local races. What's that? I was just saying that I think liquid calories is like a great delivery system, you know, especially yeah. in something like a mountain bike race or a crit where it's like harder to take your hands off the bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you're new to it, uh, you know, I, I would try and get your hands on one of these, one of the, you know, s- specialty brands, like a scratch super fuel or flow formulas, their race fuel. Um, I don't know. What, what do they call it? Is it, is there, is it just flow? Like do they have different varieties? I'm going to drop it right now. I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm about to, um, all ignition athletes get 25% off. So if you're listening to this, don't tell it flow that I'm going to give you this coupon code, but ignition 21, all caps will get you 25% off flow formulas. Um, you can try it out. It's they, they only have like one mix and it's called, I don't know what they call it, but it's like right on the front of the bag. It says 90, 60, and so it says, it says basically 90, 90 grams of carbs for racing and 60 grams of carbs for training. And it mm. says that right on the front of the package. And that's what I like the most about flow is like, bro, just how simple it is. Like 
I'm a crit racer. I don't want to think about anything. So all I got to think about before the race is do I want two scoops or do I want three scoops? And for me, <laughs> I want two and a half because two and a half is 75. So uh, <laughs> loop, loop. If you put two scoops in, that's 60. Three scoops is 90. So basically each scoop is 30 grams of carbs. Um, if you're racing, I would suggest getting the ones with caffeine, but they have non-caffeinated. My favorite flavor would be the lemon lime. So yeah, go try it out. Cool. Yeah, so um I I actually just make my own most of the time. Mm. Just using two to one glucose fructose ratio. Interesting. Get all sciencey with the scale and measure it out and everything, but um The science is, has revised its uh ratio. Yeah, it <laughs> they're they're I mean it's it's super it's it's like always evolving. Uh, like if you're trying to push the limits of like 120, then the two to one is no longer relevant. Um, but if you're just going for 90, which is generally accepted as like what most people's upper limit is, uh, two to one is still still quite relevant. I think um, it also depends on like uh, like one's um, ability to tolerate fructose. I guess it I guess it is like a little bit yeah. individual, like all things. Yep. Yeah, and like some sometimes if if I'm not going for 90, like today in training, uh, I was going for 80. So like I wasn't really pushing the limits all that much. Uh, I'll I'll usually I don't I don't get that specific with it. Like I don't even weigh it out exactly. Uh, sometimes I'll even just like mix in some scratch into some like malto, uh, just to give it a little bit different flavor. Otherwise, it's like flavorless, which is actually what I prefer. Um, you gotta get but yeah, there, there's all that. kinds of products. Was that? You gotta get your hands on that scratch uh, cluster dextrin. What is what is that? <laughs> it's a it's like a more glucose molecules all bound together. It's supposed to like provide less um, GI issues and that's what's in the super up, fuel. That's what's in the super fuel. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought yeah, I thought you were saying yeah. that's like a whole different product. No, no, no. This is Ty- type of complex carbohydrate structure. <laughs> This is a relevant question, um, and it, it's, again, coming from me, um, <laughs> but it's relevant. So my teammates at Athens were drinking Bang. <laughs> Do you know Bang? The, Bang the, is awesome. The energy drink. And yeah. right on the front of the freaking thing, it says super creatine. And I'm like, what the heck is super creatine? And I looked in the ingredients. In the ingredients, in all caps, is an ingredient called super creatine and then it has a little tm on it like they have a trademarked ingredient that they call super creatine so i was wondering how i know get tested (laughs) i know creatine the reason you don't want to do creatine is because of water weight you're going to gain weight but how quickly do you gain weight like them drinking bang an hour before the race is are they going to (laughs) like gain two pounds of bang or not unless they drink two pounds of water with them or with that. Well, so here here would be my concern is that it would it would pull the water that you're consuming like into this like you know away from where it would go it otherwise. Yeah. So maybe it would like be sort of like dehydrating would be okay, my concern. Good. I'm going to tell them to listen to this podcast so that they know cuz I said you guys <laughs> should probably stop drinking that. I wouldn't drink that if I were you guys. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's a and good idea. I think I think they had like a big 18 pack so it was kind of like, well, they're there, <laughs> so let's drink them. And I'm like I ain't touching those. No way. Hey, what's Maybe our next be- listener question? Yeah, let's yeah, get into it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> too, too big of a tangent here. Uh, okay. 
So the next one, this one's coming from Sioux Falls native John Barry. My local race season begins next week, and he he sent this a couple weeks ago, so it was a little late. Uh, My local race season begins next week, and I realize that I've all but completely skipped base season. My training for the last six months has consisted of riding once a week for an hour, which usually consists of 30 to 45 minutes of lactate threshold heart rate at lactate threshold heart rate. What can I do to race into shape if I were able to budget five hours a week moving forward? Uh, you need to do some sort of endurance riding is, is the answer I think. Um, and what kind the of way that I would, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, uh, and maybe if he has a choice just to kind of give a, a really broad answer, the way that I would do it if I were him is I would start with longer duration events maybe, and then sort of prioritize shorter, sharper stuff later, if that's a possibility. You know, so I'd maybe not start my season with like a short track series. I'd maybe start my season with some gravel racing, you know, something that's going to actually provide some base. <laughs> no, no. So, I mean, <laughs> this is funny. Um, I was not going to say that. I was going to say if you're trying to, if you're like, you're like, oh snap, I didn't do my base season and you're really trying to grab quick fitness because your race is in. So this is probably where me and Andrew are going different. He's thinking, Andrew's thinking the race is a long time from now. I'm thinking if your race is in a month from now, 30-30s. 30-30s from now to the race. Because that's like, Tabata-type intervals are like the number one way to gain quick fitness, but it's short-lived. So if you do Tabatas for a month, you'll be good for a race in a month from now, but you're not going to be good like two months from now probably. So what Andrew's saying is a more long-term approach. Mine would be more of a short-term approach. Yeah, and I think the way that maybe our listener can approach this is they can think about, um, you know, how how high the priority is for that first race of the season versus maybe the end of their season. Mm-hmm. And I think Drew's approach is smart, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think if if you just want to be pretty good the whole season, I think that, that that would definitely work and that would get you there quick. But I think if you're willing to do a little less well on your first race, but maybe have a really good final race of the year, like a, you know, maybe like a best ever result. I would really try and fit in, um, like actual, basically the opposite of what you've been doing. I would really try and fit in like easy endurance riding, you know, and if you're super time crunch, maybe something you can do is ride to the races, the first couple of races of the year, just to kind of build in some of that base. Um, if you have five hours a week, maybe what I would do is like two, two-hour endurance rides and then maybe uh pair that fifth hour with with whatever race you're doing maybe after if it's a race you want to do well at or before can be part of your warm-up um but i think that that's it's just paramount and i think it's you're really going to be topped out pretty early if you uh just uh go for the the result now Mm -hmm. yep yeah i agree with that And, and i would just I would also add that if if you have five hours a week to train, but you don't have five hours in one session to train, that doesn't mean you shouldn't still go do endurance rides. I think a lot of people get mixed up thinking that if they don't have three hours to do an endurance ride, that they should just do all of their one hour rides super hard. And that's that's not what we're saying here. We're, we're saying you know if you have five one hour sessions a week, uh, you know, and, and you don't have any base built yet, then you need to be spending as much of that time. in in the endurance zone as you can to just continue building your base or start building your base so that, yeah, later in the season you you have an opportunity to hit some peak fitness. 
Yeah, if I was going to divide five hours, I'd probably do two 90-minute workouts and then a two-hour endurance ride. Just off the top of my head, that's probably, if I was coaching somebody, that's probably the most obvious way I would break it down. All right, moving on. Uh, this next one, so this one also, uh, native South, South Dakotan, Ken Pike, my arch nemesis in the gravel series. <laughs> Uh, he says, what, what do you try to accomplish during the peak weeks, uh, leading into your race weeks? I've always been a little confused on how much tapering you should actually do. What kind of volume and intensity per week, what type of intervals, depending on race disciplines. He said, the more I've thought about it lately, I've thought of it as hard rides start to become very specific to the race and all the other rides should be recovery. And those harder rides should occur every third day or so. Thoughts? And for context here, Ken is training for uh, some longer gravel races, so 100-plus-mile gravel races. So we should so, give him really bad advice, right, since he's since we want you to beat him next week at the local gravel race? I want all my competitors to be their best so that <laughs> I do beat them. I, I can really feel accomplished. But Good for um, you. So... <laughs> I think I think if you have your FTP set correctly and you are sort of a devout you know user of Training Peaks or another training platform that provides you metrics like TSB or training stress balance, they, they call it form now, but um, that's a number that represents you know the relationship between your chronic fatigue or what you've done over the past you know long while and then what you've done over the past week, your ATL, your acute training load, and <clears throat> I think. Um, how much you want to taper down really depends on the event. So the shorter the event, the more positive you want to be, which means the the less riding you're doing leading up to your event. Whereas if I was going to race a stage race or even like really long gravel stuff, I think a little bit of fatigue that's going to blunt like your very top end is okay in exchange for some more fitness. So what, what I would encourage this athlete to do is – um, you know, if you peak maybe twice or three times in a year, you know, maybe experiment with this a little bit. Um, but like, I, I would say a good number for like a gravel racer might be zero to negative 10 on the form. And, and those are sort of recommendations based on, you know, the, the most recent edition of the training Bible. And, you know, it's stuff I've tried with my athletes. And I think, I think that works pretty well. Um, but I think beyond that, um, yes, I, I agree. Like you want your events to, your training rides leading up to that race to be really specific to the demands of the event, making sure that you're, you know, you feel psychologically ready and that you're all the systems you're going to be using in those races are firing on all cylinders. Um, however, the caveat is, you know, if I was training somebody for unbound, for instance, you know, which is, you know, for some going to be, you know, as little as a 10 hour effort, but maybe as long as like 16 hour effort, you know, you're not going to do a 16 hour, you know, gravel ride the weekend before that race. And maybe that's obvious, but, um, you know, I would, I would try and figure out a way to, you know, maybe approximate, you know, maybe like half of the time spent in a certain zone, you know, for something super long like that, you know, in your, your like final super race prep ride. And maybe I would do that the weekend before. Um, because we want to be able to recover from this effort. You know, if you do, if you basically do the event before your event, you know, especially at a long event like that, you, you're probably not going to be able to recover well enough to perform your best again one week later. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think every third day is, is probably pretty good. I think this, this listener has some, some good ideas about this already. Um, and I like to alternate between like an intensity day and an easy day. So we're, we're kind of like, you know, rather than stacking days and, you know, building, you know, cumulative fatigue, we're, we're just hitting those energy systems and then resting and, and sort of just like maintaining a level of freshness, um, without giving up too much fitness. I'm, I'm pretty redundant, but 30 thirties, man, <laughs> man, I like love 30 thirties. I just like love those workouts. Um, but I'm training for crits and it sounds like this guy's training for like unbound. So, I mean, I still think 30 thirties would, would help in an unbound, but, um, but what he's saying is like, yeah, middle of the week, you're probably looking at a Wednesday. If you're racing on two weekends back to back or multiple weekends, again, I'm just thinking personally during the cross season when I'm always trying to peak for nationals, it's usually like Pan Ams or race nationals. So it's like three weeks of racing in a row. So when I'm at peak fitness right there for that last block of racing, I'm only doing like one workout a week. It's probably on Wednesday. And so I've got Monday, Tuesday recovery, Thursday recovery and Friday openers for the next race weekend. So it's like, yeah, he's pretty spot on when it comes to like the two days between between your intensity days when it comes to peaking. I think that's a good good frame of reference. Yeah, and in general, I mean, I uh, you know to kind of keep it base you know base level. Usually, it's you you try and maintain your intensity. You're probably not going to try and increase the intensity. Like hopefully, whatever intensity you're doing during your taper period. Uh, you've you've already started to do leading up to that. Um, usually, you try and maintain your intensity and just decrease the volume based on whatever TSB or you know form you're trying to hit. That that's how you you know kind of decide how much volume you're going to reduce. Um, but we're also yeah we're trying probably not trying to introduce new stimulus that your body needs to take a while to adapt to. Okay. Moving on. So I'm wondering the best way to approach losing a few pounds of body fat without sacrificing performance. I worry about feeling underfueled for workouts or races. Would there be a better time of day to make a meal smaller or should I be focusing more on like strength type workouts and keep eating the same? Uh, she said, I know it's a can of worms and it's specific to each person, um, but just curious. This comes from Tuesday Vanderweedy. I love this one. I love this question. I mean, it's something that I think, uh, you know, even those of us who are pretty lean, maybe ask ourselves sometimes, or at least have kind of endeavored on. And, um, I think the absolute best way, you know, and, and this is not an option for a lot of people, but the best way is to increase volume, you know, cause it's the old double whammy. And if you, my experience is like, if you kind of get up into the high volume territory of training and you're doing a lot of like good quality endurance miles, um, you almost can't eat enough and it's, it's just going to happen naturally and you're going to gain performance along the way. But I think the biggest advice that I'll provide them and this answers the second part of their question is never sacrifice eating on your ride. Never, never underfuel your workouts. Um, you know, and if you want to periodize your eating through the day, the way that I would do it is I would eat, you know, assuming you ride, let's say you ride in the middle of the day, I would eat a really big breakfast. That would be your biggest meal of the day. And the point there is that no matter how big of a breakfast you eat, you're probably going to use that energy, like one for your workout and two just for your day. 
I would eat another good meal after that. And then I would decrease the size of the meal as the days, the day goes on. And I would also shift from really carbohydrate rich foods around the workout to more, you know, protein rich foods later in the day. Um, protein is also going to be super satiating. So that's kind of like a good hack to, um, you know, not end up going to sleep hungry. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you, you play with the balance, and you know, if if you're really concerned, I mean, see a nutritionist. But I, I think the the second way to answer this is you do it very slowly, is the key. Um, you know, so uh, maybe like half a pound per week if you're actually racing would be a good goal. If you're actually training, I would say uh, if you're yeah, sorry, going back. If if you're just training maybe you could do up to one pound a week. I would say those are sort of like the upper limits of what you can do without really sacrificing your performance. Um, and it's pretty easy to calculate what sort of deficits you need to be at to reach those goals. So there's 3,500, um, I think calories and a pound of fat. So you can just divide that across your seven days. Um, and I would, I would probably do it pretty evenly. I mean, if you have a higher intensity workout coming up, maybe that would be not the best day to do it. So, yeah. I like this question a lot too, because in the question, she does make a little point. And I think, I think the most important part of her question was something that she stated, or was it a she or he? I don't know. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. She's she, um, is that a real name or would, is that like a made up name? Tuesday, Tuesday event. Okay. Anyways, she's, she's awesome. By the way, she, she's, uh, she works at the local bike shop here and, uh, yeah, she's just amazing, amazing okay. human. All right, sweet. All right, cool. All right, so I'd say she already understands this on a pretty good level because she says right in the middle of her question, not hindering performance. And I would say that is the biggest biggest mistake that people probably make when they try to go about the whole weight question is, is they do things that hinder performance. And as my, my boy, my boy MC Spandex says... It's all about performance. That's the name of the game. I pump up my tires and I lube my chain. Anyways, it's all about performance. So read that book, Racing Weight by Matt Fitzgerald. His entire premise is that you don't do anything if it messes with performance. And so uh, he's got a six-step strategy that he talks about in his book. Uh, A lot of it is like nutrient nutrient timing, which is what Andrew touched on, carbs early, protein late satiating is the protein so like all of that's in there um training right is a huge part of the book like train the right way and your body will naturally kind of uh fit itself into the best um composition for that training um yeah he's got six six oh the the first and most important one of his book is diet quality and um i think the biggest takeaway from the diet quality per just a little application here is don't think of like food or think of replacements so instead of having soda with my dinner tonight i could have a really which is like almost like a negative try to replace that negative with a positive so um drink some like vegetable juice so that's like you're going from a negative all the way to a positive so you're flipping it so try to find replacements like that because it's kind of like a double whammy um but that's an easy or just water or just water, but that's almost like <laughs> it's almost like going from negative to negative to just zero. I, I, 
I mean, <laughs> we need water. I don't like. We can't water, survive yeah, without so water. We can yeah, survive without food, but literally doesn't have like calories in it. So sweet it doesn't count tea. I'm drinking like sweet tea because I just don't <laughs> like water. So yeah, read that book. Anyway. <laughs> it's called Racing Weight by Matt Fitzgerald. I would highly yeah, recommend and, and it. Tuesday, if you're listening, I have this book. So if you want to borrow it, let me know. Yeah, but you want to buy right. it yourself so you can underline and 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 Anna Anna, what's the word? Annotate, annotate. in the book. Oh, dude, do it. Get it, write it, annotate it. You'll love it. It doesn't bother me. I, I get used books all the time that are pre-annotated. So if you want to annotate in my book, I don't it's care. It's even better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with Drew. I actually really like highlighting and making notes. It's like part of part of the way that I absorb the information personally. But yeah, dude. everybody's different. Got to get those brains, brains moving. <laughs> okay. Here's a fun one that we're going to do super rapid fire. Okay. No tangents here. What's your favorite part about being a cycling coach? This is from Allie Sabin, which is my wife. <laughs> Did you tell her to ask that question? No, she she submitted a, an answer. When when it all or clicks for an athlete, that's the answer. When it all that's, clicks, it's super super cool. Yeah, yeah. Like when Wait, everything sorry. comes together, they they follow the plan. It works for them. They they achieve their goals or beyond their goals. That's that's the best part. Yeah, it's awesome. That's such a hard question. There's so many good things about coaching. Yeah, so so mine is I I really enjoy the just the relationship building aspect of um, you know getting to meet someone for the first time and then growing with them and throughout their journey uh, and and just yeah the, I'm quite personal guy so I just enjoy interacting with them and meeting new people and hopefully helping them achieve their goals. Man, I can't think of I can think of like 10, 10 different things of why you got I love one, man. coaching. Hurry up. Mine's gonna be a little bit more selfish. And and this is gonna be because um It's the money. All right, Dizzle's <laughs> no. trying to get rich over here. No, not the money. I don't care about money at all. Come on. No, no, no. I would say because I can race. Um I believe a hundred percent that coaching and racing go hand in hand. So uh being a full-time coach has allowed me to take my, my personal racing career to some pretty like to, to the highest it's ever been, I think. So and if it wasn't for coaching, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. So to all the people who have hired me as their coach, I have to hu- give them a huge thank you because if it weren't for them, I'd, I'd be like behind a desk or something like, like wanting to <laughs> shoot myself. So, um, cause that's just not Whoa. the kind of guy, that's just not the kind of guy I am. Like I hate, <laughs> I did it for a year. It's terrible. So, um, yeah, I keep hiring Drew guys. Otherwise he's going to shoot himself. <laughs> no, that sounds if you fire bad. him, it's your fault. <laughs> uh, I would never do that. Come on. But, um, and even another like really selfish one is, is it's like, like the, the reason it's good for racing is because it's so flexible. I can do it on the road. I can train in the middle of the day and then just block out my work however I want. But that also means I get to spend time with my kid, which if you guys know me at all, I talk about my kid a lot. Um, yeah. And I'm quickly like wanting to spend all my time with her. And so uh, coaching definitely lets me spend a lot more time with my kid, which I love. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Next question. How do you call your competitors bluff when they force you to start burning matches? 
This one comes from homie Terrell Purcell out of Golden, Colorado, fellow cross racer. What's up? So I actually had um, my team captain on Roadhouse had like a whole conversation with me about this a couple weeks because I lost a crit. I got second place to some college kid. I think if you guys have listened to the podcast, you might have heard that story. Anyways, he told me that I should have been willing to lose the race. Like I should have just sat up so hard. I should have sat up so hard that I would have been like totally fine with the group bringing us back. Um, because if that had happened, I've got teammates in the group who would have just countered and all that. So he said, you gotta be like, but there was like a, 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 an, a realm of like, you gotta be so unpredictable for your competitor that they're like, what the heck is he doing? Is he really willing to like have us get brought back from the, from the field? Like we've already established our break and everything. So doing something crazy like that kind of makes them question What's this guy going to do? And then that that opens up the door for opportunity, I think. Being so I'm going I'm, I'm to answer this question from like a road perspective and just some of the lessons I've, I've sort of learned over the years. So, you know, the situation where I think of about this question is, is like being in a breakaway. I think that's like the situation where, you know, you get somebody barking at you and they're, they're trying to get you to pull harder so the breakaway succeeds and they're trying to kind of sit on and just... Uh, you know, enjoy the ride to the finish. Um, and I think in this scenario, yeah, you got to like use your logic. Um, and I think like one of the ways that we implement that is, um, you know, take a look at how everybody else is riding the brake and ride only as hard as the, the whoever is working the least in the brake is working. You never want to be working the least because, you know, at a high level, you know, guys will take you off the back of the brake. You know, if there's a strong rider and they don't want you there, like they might be able to make that happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you got to think about what the race situation is and like, you know, how good that break is, you know, like what are the numbers, you know, is it, are they odds you like, do people have teammates? Um, you got to figure out how committed you are because sometimes, I mean, maybe you do got to just like burn some matches. Um, but other times, like if it's not a good situation, like you just need to to really think about that and be able to identify like the winning move versus a move that's just never going to stick, um, you know, and just uh, trust that, you know, when the reshuffle happens, you guys come back like you can be in the next one. <laughs> and I guess if you really are bluffing and you're just trying to get away with doing less work, um, attack them, bro, just drop them. And then you don't have them barking at you. And then you just solo in for the win. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you know you've uh, got more matches. <laughs> yeah, if you've got more matches in the books, like, um, that is a tactic. Like, if you're going to burn matches, might as well burn a decently sized match that gives you a chance at creating some separation. Yeah, you got to think but of it as... But if he is as... bluffing, then, then he's probably going to go with you, and that is going to be a match that you just burned for nothing. But you also have to think about it as energy versus energy that you spend that they also spend. So when you attack, you're burning a match, but you're forcing them to burn a match as well. If you just sit on the front and go hard, they're drafting you and not burning a match while you learn a match. So every time you attack, that's, that's more worth your, like more, more money in the bank than, you know, a pull or, or something like that, because you're, you're forcing them to, to respond. So 
let me say one other thing about this too that I just thought of is is like if you're in a break or if you're even in a road race and you're you're in like a big group, you know, and for whatever reason you're needing to pull, I, I would make sure that you always take your poles strategically. So you want to take those in places where everybody's sort of working equally hard. So, you know, if there's a headwind on the course or a crosswind, take your pole there. If there's a hill, take your pole on the hill. Never, ever take your pole into the headwind. Never, ever take your pole onto the downhill. You know, and if you're savvier than this other guy and you can make it look like you're working really hard or you are working just as hard, um, but you're doing it at a strategic time, do it. Um, Maybe even like try and take your turn going to a technical section where there's not as much pedaling. You know, like pull through super hard right into those corners, you know, and like it looks like you're a hero because you're pulling really hard, but, you know, you're not pedaling half the time. So I hope this, uh, hope that helps. All right. Will I get burnt out if I do too much high intensity too early in the season? This one comes from Tanner Johnson. Yes. IG land. Yes. I don't know where he's actually from. Yes. Next question. (laughs) <laughs> yes Just yes kidding. but you know if, if you need to do that to, to like achieve um you know like a peak for a criterium or like another really high intensity event i think you can do that but here's the key is that after that peak you know you need to not get greedy and try and like flutter out that form for too long you need to take a break and then you need to think ahead and and maybe hire a coach that can help you strategize on like okay if i do a ton of high intensity early because i have some really early goals um, when can I get that base in, you know, can I take a break and then, you know, spend, you know, one or two blocks, you know, maybe in like May or June or something, you know, reinvigorating my base, um, give, giving kind of like my autonomic nervous system a little bit of a rest. So I also I think, think you can, I think you can do it if you execute it well within a plan. So personally, what I like to do is, um, during the base season, keep, keep the main things, the main things. So your, your, your high volume still keep that, uh, tempo focused workouts, keep those. But what I'll do is I'll mix anaerobic work into the tempo intervals. And so I have a workout called tempo with bursts where it's a 10 minute tempo. But before I do the 10 minute tempo, I will do two minutes of VO two. So two minute VO two, 10 minute tempo or, or something similar to that where you're the bulk of your training is still in tempo. You're just kind of, you know, sprinkling in some anaerobic. Uh, one of my all time favorite workouts is, uh, is a 15 minute tempo. And every three minutes you sprint for like 10 or 15 seconds. And these would be like all out sprints. And so you get that, you get that taste of anaerobic without the full on anaerobic training load um that comes with like full-on vo2 training but you still get a little bit of it i think part of what dizzle is saying here too and this is an important point is like you probably just also don't need as much high intensity as maybe you think you do i guess it depends on your goal and like what your personal limiters are but one thing to maybe experiment with especially if you're racing a lot is just doing you know maybe limiting yourself to like one really high intensity session a week maybe two at most depending on how much you're racing um, and you might be just as good because as Dizzle alluded to earlier with his 30-30 tangent, um, those gains are, are really quick and they, they top up fast. It's, you know, these things are like pretty enzymatic. And so like you get those enzymes, they're upregulated, they're doing their thing. Um, and more doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to continue to see more benefits. It's like point of diminishing marginal return. 
I have another question related to this. This is becoming a talker's questions instead of listener's questions. Anyways, I've heard of in running, they have this thing called a quick start to the training plan where their first block of training is actually a full on high intensity and then they start their base season. And the idea behind this strategy is you gain some quick fitness. So like back to my 3030s, like 3030s raise your fitness across all fronts better than any other workout or Tabata drills in general. So if you did a a block of Tabata style intervals before you started your base season, would that then allow for a more beneficial base season? Um, well, if, uh, I'll, I'll answer for Dylan since he's not here, but well versed in his answer to this question because it's come (laughs) up before. Uh, the first thing that he would say is that there's like no good evidence for reverse periodization working Mm. better. However, there was a research paper that came out not that long ago that explained that, um, athletes who did a little bit of anaerobic work during their base season fared better in the long run than those Mm -hmm. who just did strictly base. But in that particular study, and I've implemented this with athletes to good success, the dose is extremely low. So this was the protocol they used in the study and the protocol I used for my athletes. It was like one session every 10 days like within your first base block, but it was like four minutes of 30-30s. So if a normal dose is like three by eight, you would do like two by four. So it's a super, super small amount. Um, wow. So you're not, you're not like ramping it up too hard. And that's apparently that was enough. Like if they went more than that, then, then yes, like the athletes did get burnt out. <laughs> so, so how much of that do you think would be attributed to just the familiarity of going hard so that when it comes time for that race or for the, you know, uh, fitness assessment that they did at the end of the study, those athletes just, they, they, it wasn't as much of a shock to them to like go do that all out effort. Like they were a little bit more familiar with that kind of effort. Um, I think psychological, like there's a huge, I think like pacing element to this. I think, you know, Adam, we talked about this with like a, a race that you did, you know, if you sort of don't know like what your FRC looks like, or like, you know, what you could do in like a pure anaerobic, full full gas effort like you might overcook it you mm-hmm. know so i think like having a little bit of familiarity with like how far you can push before you you need to let off the gas i think provides pretty serious pretty serious benefits like knowing how that makes you feel and then also maybe just like even having the confidence that like if you flood your system with lactate you can you can clear it and, and still be good to go so i think that's a yeah. big part but i think i think the mechanism is maybe part psychological like you're saying, and also just being comfortable with that suffering. But I, I think it's also probably just like a little bit of like the physiological stuff, like enzyme activity and things like that. Just sure. kind of like getting, getting you, you know, fired up on all cylinders a little bit quicker. Yeah. Oh snap. We're yeah, over, and, and one we're, more, over an, we're over an hour. I yeah, just we are. That. <laughs> it's over. Oh, no. Yeah. So one more thing to add. So, you know, if this athlete here, if they're getting the majority of their high intensity, early in the season from racing, I would be cautious with that as well and make sure you're taking a mid season break Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of other stresses that can, that, you know, just form around racing in general. So it's not just the, the stress that you're loading your system from the efforts, but you know, the race preparation, the driving, the, uh, stress about, you know, pre-registering and, uh, not getting enough recovery fuel afterwards because you're 
sitting around drinking, you know, post-race beverage with your buddies, you know, like there are a lot of additional stresses that come with racing. So just be careful of that too. Can we just keep going? It doesn't have to be an hour. I have to go. It's oh, 10 30 at night. It's late, man. Dude, late yeah, night we'll, pods we'll do another are the best one. kind of pods. We'll do another one of these. We we did talk about uh trying to get these in more often. So uh we, we only made it through about half of these questions tonight. So that's a pretty good start for the next one. Round two tomorrow night. Dude, this is my favorite episode. I had a lot of fun I, doing I like this, this a lot. Yeah, this is really fun. Yeah, and hopefully this will entice more people to send in questions more regularly too. Uh, we'd love to love to add more listener questions to the end of our shows or the beginning or just do another whole show like this. But thanks for everyone for sending these questions in. Uh, if you did so over Instagram, that was awesome. Uh, you can also send questions to our email at info at ignitioncoachco.com uh, or you can reach out to any of us on, on Instagram or any of the social medias. You just have additional questions that you want us to answer, not on the show, but just give you little little tips on the side. I'm sure we're all happy to do so. Yep. All right, guys, let's go get some sleep. Good night. Peace. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch y'all soon. Let's go.